It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Okay. Well, Rich isn't here again. He's out of town. So, um, so we'll just have to do uh, between you and me, okay? And uh, tell you what, folks, I think today's program... Uh, we'll just start out with something that's so true, absolutely so true. If you had to pick one song, what would it be? Listen to this one. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his holy name. That's the reason why I love him so. Cause Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus, you're the sweetest name. Just the same as your holy name, and that's the reason why I love you so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name, yes, Jesus is the for many, many, many years recorded by the Heritage Singers. And I remember when they first recorded it, I thought, wow, that really, I mean, that says it all, isn't it? Now, also, several years ago, several years ago, you've heard me say over the years that um, the family is God's first institution. He only created three First was the family, second was the church, and third was civil government. Um, in order to keep order, in order to keep things running smoothly and properly. Of course, here in America, this was the first experiment to have we the people. We the people determine what the order will be. and uh, But the family is number one. Now, uh, Dr. Jack Graham brought a message. Uh, He's the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas. And he brought a message about the family. And it was so thought-provoking and so right on. I thought, for goodness sakes, I want to share it with the audience today. You see, folks, maybe the problem we have in America is is not the government, it's not the school system. 
is not the neighborhood. It's our families. Our families. Are we handling our families properly? What percentage of children are now growing up without a father in the home? If you see the statistics, it's not a pretty picture. So here is Jack Cram to tell us how important the family is. Here it is. No doubt you're connected by a network to the world and through internet connections and connections of various technological kind, we are able to reach out to the world and into the world as never before. And yet it's an interesting time. And while we are more connected in terms of technology than ever before, we are more disconnected apparently than in recent generations. God made us to live connected and cooperating with others. And thus God has established three primary institutions of society. One and first and foremost is the home, then the church as well as the government. So the home, the family, the church, and the government, these are institutions that God has established for individuals to be together. The Bible says he sets the solitary in families. We were made to have a relationship with him. When God saw the aloneness and the separation of Adam, he created the first woman so that the woman and the man could live together and the family was established. And thus after families came communities and cities and nations. And so it is important that we remember today that God has blessed us with the people in our lives. People who share our dreams, people who share our desires, that we are made to live in closeness with one another. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 24 and begin at verse three. And we're going to read verses three through six and then verses 10 and 11. So verse three, Proverbs 24 says, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage war. We don't do this alone. And in abundance of counselors, we can do this together. In abundance of counselors, there is victory. Say that word, victory. In the abundance of counsel, when we are connected and cooperating together as the people of God, there is victory. When you weaken families, you weaken the nation. When you strengthen families, you strengthen the nation. And preserving and protecting family is essential and vital to the spiritual health of this nation. True national security is not found in our weapons, our warheads, but rather in the moral and spiritual strength that comes from God. Christian families are not immune, are never rather at the mercy of the godless influences of our culture as long as we build our lives and build our families on the wisdom of the Word of God. The key is a Christian home where mom and dad love one another, are committed to Christ together, and determined to raise godly families. 
children who fear the Lord and become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The home that is built upon the solid rock. Jesus, of course, spoke of two men who built a house. One built on sand, and when the storms came, the house collapsed, and Jesus said great was the fall of it. But another man built his house on the rock, the sure foundation of God's word, of God's truth, of God's wisdom. A man who built his house with wisdom. And when the storm came, and they always do, you know, you're either in a storm or you're coming out of storms or you're getting in the middle of a storm right now. We all face storms. All of us are challenged to the core. But when our lives are solidly built upon faith in Jesus Christ, then our future is secure. And again, I say, every Christian family must prepare to engage in this good fight of faith. The rising tide of secularism and humanism and atheism cannot overcome our victory in Jesus Christ. There have been a number of major changes, seismic shifts in the family. I want to mention as we talk about how we can resist the tides of secularism and humanism and atheism that seem to be blowing in the wind against our families. What are some of these changes? Well, one is there's a major change in defining the family. There was a time the family was defined as a nuclear family with husband and wife and children together in the same household, in the same home. But now we hear more and more, not of nuclear families, but of new families. The family is now defined as single parents and blended families and childless couples and unmarried couples with children or unmarried couples without children. And then Today, we are facing issues of same-sex marriage and gay and lesbian parents. So, culture is seeking to redefine the family. It's a wind of change blowing. And then cohabitation. The National Bureau of Economic Research said three of every five couples who get married this year will live together for some period before tying the knot. Now, that constitutes a five-fold increase from the previous generation. Hollywood and some media circles have made unwed parenthood fashionable. Gays and lesbians are now deciding to form families and seeking legal protection for that and normalization of that. Now, many would say today there's nothing wrong with same-sex marriage. There's nothing wrong with two people who love one another getting together and having all the benefits and blessings even of some churches who are blessing these kinds of unions and so-called families. Now, another change regarding the family is in regards to single parent families. I want to say at the outset that I believe the hardest job in the world is being a single parent, a single dad, a single mom, and we salute you. But we have to admit that this is a major shift. It's a major change. Something we're dealing with as families and as a church that we didn't deal with in other generations as much. This produces an incredibly difficult situation economically, socially, culturally, and even spiritually for parents and children. So there's a major shift, a major change that's impacting us. And that would be single parent families. And then of course, Another major change would be blended families. 
And we see that more and more today. And whether we choose these kinds of families or not, we must all accept the fact that we're living in a time where there is a new definition of the family. And then beginning the family, there is a difference today as to how we begin our families because marriages are often delayed. Did you know that in 1960, almost three quarters of all adults who were 25 or older were married? But today, barely half of the group under 25 are married. And not only are people less likely to get married today, they're waiting much longer to commit to marriage. In 1960, the median age for first marriage was 21. Today, it is 25 and lengthening out, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. So that's a distinct change. People are waiting longer to get married. And not only delaying marriage, but downsizing the family. Another major change in America today is the size of the family. Rarely today do you hear of large families. Due to economic or lifestyle choices, couples who are postponing marriage often postpone childbearing as well. And the average size of a family has been greatly reduced to about 2.6 people per family. That's a major change. And then major changes regarding supporting the family. Supporting the family. There was a time when Dad went to work and mom stayed home and the children went to school and that was a family. But today, we of course know that dual income families are often an economic necessity. And that has produced daycare center parenting, which has increased 10 times over in the last generation. And then fourthly, not only defining the family, beginning the family and the way of supporting the family has changed, but maintaining the family. The divorce rate has quadrupled since 1960. And in our culture today, divorce is often celebrated and defended. And the result, even though God says, I hate divorce, we have encouraged it at times, and the result is more broken homes and more children who wonder what happened, who don't understand. And the result of this change, these changes, it has produced a cynicism regarding the home and the family, regarding marriage and kids. Younger generations are fearful of making commitments to a home and a family and a marriage and a relationship as we have known it. And because we have often departed the wisdom of God in building our houses and homes upon God's Word, we are subject to these vast changes. In the breakdown of the family, we have the breakdown of faith in that family. A large percentage of kids that were raised in church, numbers up to about 88% of kids raised in church do not faithfully follow Christ after graduating from high school. We must do whatever it takes to develop and disciple this generation. This is our watch. This is our war. So when we work and we serve and we sacrifice, whether it's working in a vacation Bible school or working with the little kids over in the preschool area or working with students, and certainly as parents, every investment we can make of life and soul and body and money and whatever we have is worth the effort. Now the chances are you didn't wake up today and, and say, okay, I'm gonna choose to be a hero. 
That's probably not on your daytime or checklist and to-do list. But you know what we need? We need heroes today. You know who they are? Moms and dads, parents and grandparents who will fight for their kids and for the future of their families, who will pay the price. I tell you what we need. Number one, build wisely. Look again at the scripture in Proverbs 24. It says in verse three, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established and by knowledge the rooms are filled. These are tough times today because so many are making bad decisions and living with the consequences of those bad decisions. We need to start making good decisions for the sake of ourselves and our families. Wise decisions. Ask God to give you wisdom because he has promised when we pray that he will give us wisdom. And that wisdom, of course, is the willingness to live under the authority of the word of God. So many today live in shades of gray rather than the clear teaching of the Word of God. 81% in America believe that all truth is relative to the individual or the situation. That there's no clear authority or absolute authority that everything is morally relative. You say, well, that's the world. Well, 70% of young people in churches today, when they've been surveyed, 70% also believe that truth is relative when they were tested on the subject. We must build wisely on the Word of God. If you had told me when I entered seminary in 1972, if you had told me that as a pastor, I would be dealing with some of the disasters that we're dealing with in homes and families and communities today, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have been stunned as a 23-year-old seminarian that we would be dealing with debating issues of abortion and, and gay marriage and, and cohabitation and living together without marriage and so on. Someone has called this the is generation. Define your behavior any way you choose. And don't let anybody tell you what to do. God, the church, is my life. We sang an old 60s song, it's my life and I'll do what I want to do. That's this generation. It's the is generation. May God help us to turn it around to become the his generation. The generation of Jesus Christ. And we can do that if we build upon the wisdom of God's Word. Several years ago, I read a prayer given by a great American, General Douglas MacArthur. A prayer for his son. I passed this prayer along to my own sons and daughter. And I wanna share it with you as we think about building the home with wisdom. MacArthur said, build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak and brave enough to face himself when he is afraid. One who will be proud and unbending and honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son whose wishes will not take the place of deeds. A son who will know thee and that to know himself is the foundation stone of knowledge. Lead him, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenge. Here, let him learn to stand up in the storm. Here, let him learn compassion for those who fail. Build me a son whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high, a son who will master himself before he seeks to master other men, one who will reach into the future 
yet never forget the past. And after all these things are his, I pray enough of a sense of humor so that he may always be serious, yet never take himself too seriously. Give him humility so that he may always remember the simplicity of true greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, and the meekness of true strength. That I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. As fathers and mothers, as parents of our children, of our grandchildren, may we build our sons and daughters wisely. May we stand boldly. The scripture here in Proverbs 24 says that a wise man is full of strength and a man of knowledge enhances his might. You know what we need today? I believe more than anything are men who will be strong enough in their faith to come out of the shadows, stop hiding behind the apron strings of your wife's spirituality, and you, sir, stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in front of your children. To say like Joshua of old, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. To stand boldly. Down in uh, chapter 24 and verses 10 and 11, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away into death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. That's our responsibility as this, this generation is stumbling to the slaughter that we would embrace them, that we would get a good grip on them and hold them back. It is next to impossible to have a great family without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an awesome task, a seemingly impossible task. It's overwhelming, but with God, all things are possible. And may God help us men and women to stand boldly. The next generation is at stake. Take your stand. And one final thing, and that is we are to live righteously. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We're to live righteously. To live righteously means to live right. None of us live perfectly as parents or as children, but we can do what is right in the power of God's Spirit. We can stand in righteousness and live in righteousness. Gentlemen, let me say to you again, men, dads, husbands, to live righteously means standing by your wife and your kids, staying together as a family. All these problems of broken homes. But let me tell you that true patriots stay in the battle even when the battle is tough. They keep their commitments. They go the distance. Teach their kids to follow Christ by their own example. Teach your kids to love Jesus. A little boy was asked in Sunday school, why do you love Jesus? And the little boy says, well, I don't know. I guess it just runs in our family. Does the love of Jesus run in your family? Mom? Dad? Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, the righteous who walks in integrity, blessed are his children after him. Our children are our future and our children's children. A great Christian of another generation by the name of R.A. Torrey said this, a man's success as a Christian cannot be determined until he sees his grandchildren. You see, we're not just raising kids, we're raising parents for our grandkids.
we're raising the future. And may God help us to live righteously and to stand boldly and to build wisely on the solid rock of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Oh, and that, friends, that was Dr. Jack Graham from Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Wow, that really, that really laid it on the line, didn't it? Well, I tell you what, we just have a very short uh, period of time left, but let's have a couple of our listeners. Remember, the listener comment line is 800-345-2621. And here are some that have called this past week. Listen to this. Hey, I just wanted to tell you guys thank you so much. I had a season in my life where I was listening to Bot Radio in the car nonstop, and through Bot Radio, the Lord just centered me back on the foundation of His Word, and the Lord just used Bot Radio so much because there were nights when my car became an altar, and I would lay down my burden and just surrender to the Lord over and over again in response to what I was hearing through Bot Radio. And I want to tell you guys, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for what you've done for me. And dear lady, I want to thank you for sharing that with us, because we all identify exactly with what you've said. Now, here's a gentleman. Hello, my name is Dr. David. I just want to thank Bot Radio Network for their incredible broadcast that uplifts me every Dr. Davis, thank you for calling in. We really appreciate that. Well, here's a lady from Iowa. I listen to Bot Radio Network in South Central Iowa. I have been so blessed, and I have been able to share this ministry with others. I thank you so very much for the ministry that you do and the people that you reach. God bless all Mm. of you. You are making a difference. Have a blessed day. Uh, Dear lady from Iowa, thank you for taking the time to call us and tell us that. Here's a man from Memphis. I just want to thank you for Tony Evans and John MacArthur and Alistair Begg and Colin Smith. They're very encouraging uh, to listen to. Thanks. Uh, All right. Remember, friends, the uh, comment line is 800-345-2621. And Rich will be back next week with me. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story, as a public service. And I'll see you later.